This is a journey into sound. Hello there. They don't write explosions like that anymore. And here, as if it were needed, is proof. Compare this... Half a league, half a league, half a league onward. All in the valley of death rode the 600. Forward the light brigade! To this... There once was a fellow named Guido who failed to instill his own credo. His gunpowder and flames failed to kill off King James. If only he'd used a torpedo. I rest my case. Ow! Why, if my case hasn't come to rest on the head of filmmaker of films, forecaster of weather and avant-garde idiot, David Lynch. Ow! Again! Not another sequel. Tell me, David, what brings you here so soon this week? You know we'd like to delay your appearances as much as we can. What can I say, John? I'm simply raring to go. Oh, well, goodbye then. No, what I mean is I'm bursting with excitement to bring you the best forecast of my entire meteorological career. It might be rubbish as usual, of course, but I always like to be optimistic in the face of apathy. Better to have a face of apathy than a face like yours, David. How dare he! I'll have you know my face has appeared on posters all over the West End. That's because the police are looking for you. Well, they'll never find me on this show. <laughs> yes, that insult won the Palm Door, you know. I think you should get on with your weather forecast before a Force 9 boot exerts some high pressure on your southwesternmost point. Very well, John. But as this is the last show in the series, I thought I'd deliver a forecast the likes of which you've never heard before. You mean it'll be accurate? Don't be ridiculous. This week, the weather forecast comes to you in glorious Technicolor. Tomorrow we'll start misty blue with a fair amount of pink sunshine. But this will give way to outbreaks of white lightning and purple rain. Purple rain? Purple rain, with a 30% chance of puce hailstones in the Watford area. Overnight, there'll be a slight tinge of green, while the weekend looks as though it'll have a sepia tint. Temperatures will be ochre, possibly rising to brown degrees Celsius, that's translucent degrees Fahrenheit. The outlook for the rest of the week? Yellow snow. I'd avoid that if I were you. I think you're getting your colours mixed up there, David. How dare you say that, John? I'm literally turquoise with anger. I mean, I don't expect you to roll out the beige carpet for me every time I'm on. But you could at least be civil once in a pink moon. Remember, the grass is always redder on the other side. Hmm. What is on the other side? Coming this winter from the BBC's Reheating Old Ideas department, two of comedy's most classic characters reunite for the first in a new series of Comedy Science Fiction Playhouse, Steptoe and Son in Space.
Hercules One, this is Houston, roger. You'll go from the ground at seven minutes. Outboard cutoff at nine plus eleven. Oh, uh, yes, we uh, copy that, Houston. Thank you, we'll bear that in mind. Harold. What? I need to go to the Kazi. Oh, Dad, why couldn't you have gone while we were on the launch pad? It's not my fault, Harold. It's me prostate. Yeah, I'll prostrate you in a minute. Open the hatch, son. Open the hatch? We're a long way from Oil Drum Lane, you know. We're 60 miles above sea level, travelling at 6,500 miles an hour. Yeah, I don't know why we couldn't have used the horse. You'll just have to go in your suit. The last time I did that, you had a right go at me. Yeah, but we were at a public meeting about the drains in Shepherd's Bush. Not about to pass through the Carmen line. I think I've just passed something through the Carmen line. Oh, you dirty old man! Also in the comedy science fiction playhouse season, All Mass and Craters, Up Uranus, The Lunar Birds, and of course... BBC Television presents... Hal's Half Hour. How? Do you have any idea of what might be causing this fault in the AO unit? Stone me, you don't want much, do you? <laughs> Check airlock, Hal. Decompress pod bay, Hal. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. It's enough to drive anyone up the wall, I'll tell you that for a start. It's just that Sid's checked the other units and there's nothing wrong with them. Look, mate, I didn't say it was faulty right this minute. I said it's going to fail at some point within the next three days. Now where's me tea and biscuits? Can't you narrow it down to within a few hours? A few hours? Have you gone stark raving mad? I haven't got a flaming crystal ball, have I? But if my FPC shows an impending failure, the AO unit's going to fail and that's the end of it. Have you considered the remote possibility that it might be your test gear that's at fault? No. There we go, a scientific mind in full flight. Well, you'd better start thinking that way because the AO unit has just failed. Eh? Failed, Mush. Conked out. Gone for a burden, it has. Well, I'll be blowed, Hell. You were right. Thank you very much. Can I be so bold as to take it for granted that your confidence in me is now fully restored? After all, I do have the greatest enthusiasm for this mission. All right, there's no need to be sarcastic. This mission is of great importance to me too, you know. You machines think you know it all. Oh, take one of your stress pills, why don't you? What a life. Yes, well, I think I'll switch off for a bit. Daisy, Daisy. Just two of the many new old favourites coming this winter in Comedy Science Fiction Playhouse. Only on the BBC. Thank God. Now on the Nothing To Do With Anything show, it's time once again to accentuate the negative and eliminate the positive. Yes, I think that's right. As we look at more of your letters, emails and messages, both in bottles and tied to pigeons, in this week's edition of Dear Dredge. Sounds like we haven't got quite as much time as we usually have for this item, so we'd better get underway with the first letter from Mr Peterborough of Peterborough, who writes... Dear Dredge, I'm writing this letter to you from 
down the well, hence the echo. Ah, yes, I see what you mean, Peter. He goes on to write... Might you have any advice on how to get out? Well, Peter, I must admit, we here at the Nothing To Do With Anything show are not big fans of wells. We're such pests. Now, what is it you want? In your depths of your ignorance, what is it you want? Whatever it is you want, I can't deliver because I just don't see it. It isn't worth it. No money is worth it. I won't book him again. Anyway, Peter, I'm afraid I don't have any advice on how to resolve your current predicament. All I can say is when you go out and about in future, for goodness sake, don't go falling down any more wells. Here's an email from Derek Dalek of Scarrow on Sea, who writes... Dear Dredge, I'm always being roundly defeated by the Doctor, which is greatly affecting my self-esteem. It's making me very depressed and lethargic, and I've completely given up exterminating. Do you have any advice? This sounds very serious, Derek. To get you back into the swing of things, I would advise that you exterminate something small, like a teacup or an ashtray. If that goes well, over a period of weeks you can build up to exterminating houses, people, entire streets, and, perhaps with the assistance of a few Dalek friends or a mentor like Davros, the Earth itself. Now, wouldn't that be something to tell the Grand Daleks? Finally, here's a letter from Eric von Stroheim, pioneering filmmaker of the silent era and one of the first directors to introduce sophisticated plots to the world of cinema. Eric writes, Dear Dredge, I've got my head stuck in the park railings again. What should I do? Well, Eric, if I were in your position, which I would imagine is quite an embarrassing one, I would use the new Jonko Head Extractor, available for delivery to the open space of your choice for just expensive pounds 99. Get someone to attach your head to the extractor lead that comes with every set and tie the other end to a wild elephant or similar. Then give the animal a good kick and watch the results. Oh, and remember, keep away from children. That's just general advice, nasty little monsters. The man may be gone, but the romance lives on with 40 romantic greats radically reinterpreted by the late Marquis Smith. If you leave me now, you'll take away the biggest part of me. Recorded shortly before his untimely death, these are the most romantic songs of all time, reimagined by one of Manchester's most unique voices. Don't go changing. Try and please me. You've never let me down before. Hear the former fall singers take on classic ballads from eight decades of popular music, featuring When I Fall in Love, All by Myself, and Without You. I can't live if living is without you. I can't live I can't give anymore. Tributes to the soul cities of Philadelphia and Detroit, including, if you don't know me by now, Three Times a Lady and Let's Get It On. Let's Get It On. 
Alongside pop and rock classics from the 70s and 80s, such as Puppy Love, I Want to Know What Love Is, and I'm Not in Love. It's just a silly phase I'm going through. Marquis Smith's 40 Romantic Greats on Junko Records and Tapes. The man may have passed, but his love is sure to last. Well, I just called to say... Aardvox? Are the shops on your local high street a little too ordinary? No. Do you ever feel there's not enough variety on offer? Not really, no. Then come on down to the weird store. I said no. Oh, just get in the van. What? Where can you buy this mahogany beetroot holder with built-in fibreglass ostrich feeding bowl for just $9.99? I don't know. At the Weird Store. Where can you find this laminated petrol pump with detachable Rubik's Cube and additional mango chutney for just $9.99? I don't know and I don't care. At the Weird Store, of course. And where can you buy this battery-operated soot-cleaning utensil for just $9.99? The Weird Store, presumably. By Jove, she's got it. The Weird Store. Look at what else is on offer. A free-ply kagool strainer. Oh, God, there's two of them. An allotment made from old washing machines. A wickerwork statue of a penguin that answers to the name of Ronald. An elastic loom handle with bako foil chimney and alarming protuberance. Three plastic bowls that emit a powerful stench the like of which you've never smelt before. A two-in-one cellophane hammock shredder with ocelot protection shield, Teflon fruit magnet and mauve pending tray. And so much silage we don't know what to do with it other than sell it. All for just $9.99. And that's not all. There's also this non-stick adhesive wigwam hoist. Just look at that Native American ceremonial dwelling rise into the air at a moment's notice. And it's only $9.99. Or how about this standard lamp? Uh, no, that's mine, actually. I got it from Argos. It was cheaper. The Weird Store is open this and every bank holiday Monday for 12 and a half seconds. You know, that is pretty weird. So, what are you waiting for? A list of store locations would be handy. Get down to the Weird Store now, before our creditors do. Branches in Trumpton, Hades, Belgium, Haddock, Bunting, Starch, Forceps and Ping. Yeah, maybe I'll give it a go. The Weird Store. Go on, give it a go. I just said I would. What more do you want? In the depths of your ignorance, what is it you want? God, you're such pests! It's all at the Weird Store now! Now! Sorry, can we go again? No. On tonight's serious programme, we look at cutlery. A fork. Just one of the many items in a cutlery collection owned by Jim Tables, entrepreneur spelt wrong. But how did he obtain said cutlery? We've been led to believe that it was stolen from the National Museum of Cutlery in just down the road shear by one of Mr Tables' associates. Mr Tables declined our invitation to have his side of the story edited down to make him sound stupid, but we did manage to speak to his former business partner, Klaus Plitz, who only agreed to be interviewed if his voice was not heard. 
Klaus Plitz. We then managed to get a few words in edgeways with Jim Table's ex-former business partner, Bob Blinge, who is now working with him again. Mr Blinge only agreed to be interviewed if his face wasn't shown. This being radio, or what passes for it, we agreed. I can't really say whether or not Jim stole the cutlery. All I know is that either he did or he didn't. Has he ever shown any interest in crockery? Oh, no. He was never into the hard stuff. I decided to confront Mr Tables at his home in Brackenshire, posing as a door-to-door cutlery cleaner. I also had to disguise my voice in case he recognised it from this show, or similar shows on Channel 5, or from that voiceover for KFC I wish I'd never done. Yeah? Hello, boyo. I'm from Wales, you see, and I wonder if you'd like your cutlery clean today, look you. Cutlery? That's right, boyo, innit? I don't have any cutlery. Ach, your that's a lot of forks you got on you there. Better get a forklift to pick those up, eh? What part of Wales are you from, exactly? Oh, quite a big part, boyo. Yes, lots of consonants. Well, why don't you go back there, or I'll call my brief? Is he guilty or not guilty? Perhaps we'll never know, although it's probably one of the two. But, whatever the outcome, one thing remains clear. Good night. Radio 4. Time now for our daily visit to Brookfield Farm, where absolutely nothing is happening. And you can hear that again at the same time tomorrow. (sighs) On Longwave now, today's daily service, which has had to move from its advertised venue due to a double booking with a Mooney Mass wedding, and now comes to you from inside a locked filing cabinet in Shrewsbury. The speaker is the Reverend Norris Ponk. the heaven and the earth, and biscuit tins, and biscuits, and old bits of bark, and radio one mugs, and fish, and artichokes, and alarm clocks, and chip forks, and camels, and pole voters, and sticks, and cups of tea, and cagoules, and lemons, and sellotape, and fish, oh we've had that, sorry, and mung beans, and twigs, and, well, you get the idea. Actually, could someone get me out of here? Thank you, Gladys. Not a problem. Where was I? Ah, yes. And the earth was without form, and as void as comedy on ITV. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
And God saw the light, although it was too bright for him at first, and he had to adjust it by accessing the menu. And God said, let there be a firmament. And God made the firmament. Not that the instructions for self-assembly were of any use. And God said, let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land Catford. And God saw that he'd made a mistake, but carried on regardless, because he promised it would be ready for tenants to move in the following Monday. And God made the beast of the earth, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And lo, God created Hollywood. And God said, let us make man in our image, meaning his image, because by now he was on a bit of an ego trip. Male and female created he them, didn't he though? And God said unto them, Have dominion over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And man and woman said, What, everything? And God said, Yep. And man and woman said, Gosh, that's awfully generous of you. Thanks very much. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, but taketh note of the address for gardener's question time, just in case. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was good even if he did saith so himself. And on the seventh day he rested and had a cup of tea and a biscuit. And God said, It's a good job I made those yesterday. I'm famished. We shall now sing hymn number 1979 from the Common Book of Post-Punk. It's 10.15. It's Saturday night. And time once again to play Bob's Full House. And here's the master of the house, the doyen of doom, the host who's the most morose, Robert Smith, out of the cure. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the game show I personally find about as interesting as a night out in Crawley. But it's good money and I'm saving for my retirement, which, let's face it, should have happened years ago. a trying week actually nothing's going right for me at the moment I was going to throw myself under a train but it was cancelled <laughs> being crushed under the wheels of a rail replacement bus doesn't quite have the same effect does it <laughs> I mean I don't care if Monday's blue Tuesday's grey and Wednesday too and Thursday I don't care about you it's Friday that's particularly difficult <laughs> Yeah, cos Friday is when we run through the show But this week the producer didn't turn up So I went round to his house He answered the door wearing ten coats and four scarves I said to him, why weren't you at rehearsal? He said, I've got a lot on at the moment (laughs) Any road up Things are now set to get even more depressing as we meet our full house guests. Contestant number one is Julia from Beaconsfield. Hello, Julia. Hello, Mr Scissorhands. Smith. Mr Scissorhands Smith. What do you do for a living, Julia? I'm in logistics. Oh, how do you manage that? I'm in logistics. Any funny anecdotes to tell us? I'm in logistics. Oh, yes, sorry, I should have realised. Moving on to contestant number two, Dave from Bromley. What do you do for a living, Dave? I am a DJ. Oh, really? How long have you been doing that? Just for one day. So not a lot of experience, then. And our thread contestant, 
I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Our Thrid contestant is a submarine. Welcome to the show. Nautical, but nice. I see you've brought a few friends with you. That's lovely. So we start with the quick fire round. Fingers on buzzers. Let's play. What was the name of the rock group that had a hit in 1970 with All Right Now? Yes, Dave? Is that your final answer? Correct. Complete the following proverb. A stitch in time saves... Yes, again, Dave. The cow. No, the answer is nine. I'm sorry to hear that, but we must continue. In which year did Lionel Richie have a UK number one hit with Hello? <laughs> Julia? 1983? Afraid not. <laughs> Over to Dave for a bonus point. 1984. Correct. What is another name for a watercraft capable of independent operation underwater? Nobody? It's a submarine. Really thought you'd get that. So, with the scores at Dave 2 and Julia and the submarine yet to get off the mark, we move on to the observation round. Listen carefully to this excerpt from the Nothing To Do With Anything show. Hope you were paying attention. Here come the questions. Who was holding the ladder? Yes, Julia? John Dredge. Correct. For an extra two threads of a point, can anyone tell me who was in the background tearing his hair out? Yes, Dave? Andy No, I'll offer it over. Was it the producer, Richard Cray? It was indeed. Can you name any of the other people in the show? Um, let me see. Uh, Paul Creasy, Max Dowler, Miles Eady, Greg Haste, James Shakeshaft and Katie Slater. Oh, and Jeremy Ray, who provided technical assistance. Well done. 500 bonus points for you. What the head on the door was that? I think the submarine got a little frustrated at not being fast enough on the buzzer. Honestly, these nuclear submersibles are so temperamental. Moving on, for an extra 0.00999ths of a point, can anyone tell me who actually listens to the Nothing To Do With Anything show? Yes, Dave? My mother, my dog and clowns. Correct. Finally, what does this sound signify? It's the end of the series, Hooter. That's right, but what does it signify? Uh, hold on, I know this. Is it the end of the series? It most certainly is. (laughs) 